Hey, I know you're here for the podcast, but give me 30 seconds to talk about a new service we just released for anyone working in a CPG brand. Finding the perfect co-packer or supplier can be a real pain. You spend hours Googling options, texting your colleagues, asking around different Slack groups, and still you get nothing. That's why we created Fiddle Connect Consulting, a done-for-you service that does all of the hard work of finding your dream co-packer or supplier. Best of all, it's 100% guaranteed and you get three free months of Fiddle Inventory Operations software included. Interested? Just go to lp.fiddle.io forward slash FCC. That's lp.fiddle.io forward slash FCC. Now, on with the episode. Welcome to the Physical Product Movement, a podcast by Fiddle. We share stories of the world's most ambitious and exciting physical product brands to help you capitalize on the monumental change in how, why, and where consumers buy. I'm your host, Ken Ojuka. In this episode, I speak with Alex Bayer, founder and CEO of Genius Juice, an organic coconut smoothie beverage company that prides itself on making products with two simple ingredients, just organic coconut water and organic coconut meat. Alex tells the story of his seven-year journey bringing Genius Juice to life and then scaling it from thousands in revenue to millions. He shares about a wide variety of subjects from his experience getting on Shark Tank, the importance of a rock-solid product you can proudly stand behind, and his success with crowdfunding campaigns, including tips on getting the most out of your campaigns. He also talks about the importance of surrounding yourself with a team of advisors with expertise in different aspects of your business. Alex is an open book with some great actionable advice for physical product entrepreneurs. Enjoy. All right, Alex, how you doing? Doing really good, Ken. Hey, thanks for, for jumping on. I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, thanks for having me on your show. Excited to be here. So cool. Um, wh- where are you uh, calling in from? Yeah, so um, I'm based in, uh, or where? You know, we're based in Torrance, California. I'm physically at my home office, which is like 90% of the country right now, um, in uh, Redondo Beach, California. Not a bad place to be. Can't really complain. <laughs> Well, um, let's just kick it off. We usually like to start with a, with a quote um, or, uh, you know, something that's impactful to you. Do you have one uh, in mind? Wow. Uh, didn't prepare a quote, uh, but I would say kind of my mantra is, uh, you know, I, what my, my math teacher said it back in high school. I can't remember exactly what it said, but I think it was like it was a quote from Woody Allen that says, mm-hmm. half of success is just showing up. Yep. You know, and, just go up, be there, put yourself out there. And the more you put yourself out there and actually just be present, um, a lot of opportunities and, and doors will open for you. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I, you know, we, we typically give people a heads up, but, you know, I almost like the answers better when you have to just think about it. You know, that's a great quote. You know, it's nice and simple, but it's, uh, yeah, definitely show up, be there, give it a try. Um, that's great. So let's uh, let's just dig into you just a little bit. What what's your background? Yeah, so um, I, I essentially came from a background in uh, in sales and marketing. So um, I studied business administration and marketing. 
you know, dual major um, at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo from 2001 to 2005. And I graduated and I'm like, you know what, um, what should I do? And what do most people do when they don't have no idea what to do with their life? Uh, they sell insurance. So <laughs> I, I went into uh, Aflac, um, not knowing what the hell I was doing. And I decided, okay, I'm going to take a crack at it. It's a great company, great marketing, um, you know, still, a, you know, a big um, addressable market of people that are, that need um, Aflac and that kind of insurance. So I blew it out up here, you know, or down here, I should say in Southern California and uh, opened up a lot of accounts and new offices um, offering Aflac. And I did that for like seven years. And then um, after that stint, I went into a nonprofit, um, which was great, except for the fact that it was nonprofit. And I, uh, I, I started a company called Karaoke for a Cure, uh, where I raised money for children's hospitals, um, you know, both here and also in Atlanta, which is uh, the, the Children's Cancer Center which is um, sponsored by Aflac. So that's how I got connected with them to sponsor them for my own nonprofit. And I did that in 2012. And then I had a short stint selling copiers in 2012 with a friend's company. And I you know, made good money there, but I'm like, my calling is not to sell copiers. So I went from copiers to coconut. And in 2013, um, I decided to... Uh, step into genius juice. And I, and I, you know, I'm jumping ahead here in the interview, but, uh, that was sure. kind of how I started from graduating from college and, uh, my sales career, and then, uh, really transitioning to being an entrepreneur. And so, um, even though you're making, making money, was there anything specific about, you know, uh, sales and selling copiers, you know, specifically that, that wasn't fulfilling or wasn't clicking for you? What, what were you looking for at the time? Yeah, I mean, there was really nothing incredibly fulfilling about it. It was very like mechanical, you know, just quotes and uh, very commoditized, you know, like everyone selling copiers, at least, you know, it's not as popular anymore. But, you know, nine, 10 years ago, um, still not that popular. It was kind of a dying technology, but just wasn't really fulfilling because I wasn't deeply connected with the product. It really had no... Um, impact on my own personal life. And even when I sold insurance, you know, I, I, I believed in the product, but it wasn't like something that wasn't a lifestyle thing that I would, you know, do every day, right? Like, you know, insurance, right? It's, you know, I'm not, I don't want to think about insurance, right? It's not like right. a, it's something I think about all the time. So um, that's what really led to, you know, Genius Juice, um, which again, I'll, I'll stop myself from going into major detail until you ask more questions. But I wanted to, I wanted to really focus on something that reflected my lifestyle, something that I love, something that I drink every day. And the way that I embarked on even thinking about the idea of genius juice was that, um, you know, when I was in insurance, every single morning I would wake up and I'd have to go out all day in the blistering sun, knock door to door in a business, you know, business parks, right? These big business parks, like office space style, uh, just, door to door. And I would always make a smoothie in the morning to keep me going, to give me energy. And it would be like fresh smoothies with like protein or banana or almond milk, you know, coconut water. And I really love making homemade smoothies. And I was very, um, and my system, um, you know, was still this day, very sensitive. I can't just have anything. My body reacts and tells me very quickly if something is not good for me. So by making my own smoothie, it, it, you know, it was something healthy and clean that I, that my body was 
was um, was okay with. And so I learned if I have a smoothie every morning, it would give me energy. It was light. It, it sustained me for four or five hours. And so I learned like, you know, I wish I can make this smoothie and bring it to the masses, something that I love from my own passion and energy to the masses. And that's how Genius Juice was born. So for those who don't know uh, what Genius Juice is, could you just explain it a little bit? Yeah. So uh, essentially, it's, it's really simple. Um, it's a plant-based organic smoothie. And uh, we blend coconut water and also coconut meat as the main base. Uh, so we take a young Thai Namham coconut, we scoop out the meat and the water and then blend it together. And uh, it makes this really uh, delicious, creamy base. And I just fell in love with it. I actually thought it was genius. That, that's where the name came from. I'm like, this is genius blending the whole coconut. And so, um, so from there, um, you know, we added other um, organic ingredients into it, you know, whether it's organic coffee, organic chocolate, organic plant-based protein, but essentially it's just a really clean, simple, clean label ingredient, organic smoothie that is in a bottled form that's sold, you know, across the country, whether it's Whole Foods or Sprouts or Costco, Target, Albertsons, and uh, so forth. So that's Genius Juice. And so there's a little bit of a story about, um, you know, that genius comment. Um, was it a friend of yours that, that introduced it to you? How did you come across the, the concept of, of blending the, the, the meat of the coconut as well as the, the, the water? Yeah, it was actually a good friend of mine, a vegan chef, uh, Cindy, you know, and uh, her husband. And like, they literally invited me over to, uh, for dinner and uh, for dessert. You know, they made me a whole coconut smoothie. And um, so they blended it up in their kitchen. They would, they think they, they, you know, they took like a, you know, like a hatchet knife. They cut open the coconut. They scooped out the meat, uh, poured out the water, blended it. And I was like, damn, this is amazing. This is genius. Kind of combining the whole coconut. And um, that's really, you know, all you need, right? Like from nature, like it's simple. You don't really need a lot of ingredients. Um, you know, just take a couple ingredients from a coconut, blend it together, and you have yourself a delicious, creamy, you know, organic smoothie with nothing else added. And that's really the, the cornerstone and foundation for the company is having something simple from nature, uh, clean label. And uh, that's really what makes it genius. Um, so I, I wanted to just ask a, a little bit more about that. I mean, you know, so you're at your friend's house and they, you know, they, they serve this to you. You think it's delicious. You think it's a great idea. Were you actively looking to launch a product or to, to start a business? You know, what, what was going on in your mind at the time? And how did that lead to actually, you know, taking this, this good idea that you found out there and, and productizing it? Yeah. You know, I, I was definitely on the hunt to like, make something my own um, because I was selling other people's products for many, many years. You know, I was selling insurance, Aflac, you know, Fortune 200 company, you know, 100 billion in assets, you know, whatever it is, 50 billion in assets or 100 billion in assets, whatever they have now. And then I worked for a copier company and, you know, I was, I was basically building someone else's dream versus building my building and making my own dreams happen and become reality. Right. So um, that's where, I'm like, you know what? I, I want to make something that's an extension of myself that I love, something that I would want to see in the market that I make at home, like an authentic, clean smoothie. And so, um, you know, from there, that's what really kind of kickstarted, um, you know, my, you know, my journey 
into uh, creating genius and actually bringing it to life. So it was really from an extension of what I wanted to see, what I wanted to see on the shelf, which is how a lot of entrepreneurs are. It's like, it's not out there. I want to create that. And it's something that I can have personally, since my system is very, very sensitive. And I can't just go out and buy a, you know, a naked juice smoothie. I can't just buy a bolt house. I can't have these drinks because it honestly makes me feel like crap. So by, so genius is really an extension of my own love and passion for what, what I would want to see on the market. And uh, that's how I was born. And as you were on the hunt for, for, you know, a product or an idea, were you thinking about physical products? Like, did you want to, to, you know, actually see something on a shelf or had you limited it to that subset of, you know, possible ideas that you could act on or did you have other ideas? Yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to be in the product business. You know, I wanted to create something out of nothing and Mm -hmm. have a product that was actually like, even when I went into Whole Foods, I'd be like, oh, wow, like it would be cool to be on the shelf. You know, it'd be awesome to be on the shelf. And, uh, you know, I just kind of had like dreams of that. Like, man, like if I walked into a Whole Foods and I see like whatever that product is, I didn't know at that time, it was very kind of esoteric, but I'm like, I'd love to have my products like on the shelf and where people can see it, people can grab it, people can take it home, they can enjoy it. And it can really make a difference in their lives. So that, that's, that's really uh, what led me to say, I want to be in the product business. I want to create a physical product that you can touch, feel, taste, smell. And, um, you know, that's, that was really my mission. And, uh, we, and, we, and I delivered on that mission. Yeah. And so how did you think about um, then going forward, right? Uh, what, what were some of the first things you did um, to actually, you know, start making the product and, and Um, Did you find a manufacturer to do this? Did you do it in-house? How how did you kick it off initially? Yeah, it was uh, just a really long journey, which uh, I won't go into major detail. I don't want to put your listeners to sleep here, but I will say that we switched to a few different Mm -hmm. co-manufacturers. It was very hard to find someone to make this product because they have to make it right uh, with quality and taste and texture. And it was just really, really freaking hard to find the right uh, manufacturer, you think it's simple. Oh, it's just coconut water and coconut meat from a whole coconut. Um, that should be simple to make. But but when you're dealing with real ingredients uh, versus like let's say uh, you know like a Snapple or um, a Gatorade or like a vitamin water, those are easy to make because all it is is water and powder, you know, or water and extracts or water water and flavoring. That's really easy to make. When you're making it straight from nature, it becomes infinitely harder to, to pull off and to also scale, if that makes sense. So, so like, you know, we had to figure out how to get a great supply chain from Thailand, which we do have a sustainable, um, you know, supply chain out there where they're delivering coconuts literally on a weekly basis. And then from there, we had to figure out uh, where to actually make this product and blend it and bottle it. So um, long story short, we found a great partner in Thailand. We have two partners out there. We found a great partner here in Southern California that makes the product for us. They co-manufacture the product for us. And uh, so now we're in a really, uh, really great place. And we have great strategic partners that are uh, really, really allowing us to scale the business. I think that's what's important is, you know, we went from, you know, thousands in revenue to millions in revenue. So you have to have the right partner to help you scale because it's not, it's not only about scaling your business, but you got to scale it 
sustainably and effectively with a great product. Right. You know, whether you're at, you know, a million in revenue or a hundred million in revenue, your product still needs to be great. It still has to be great quality. And that's really been our mission from the start is to uh, deliver a great nutrient dense product, you know, to the shelves and bring nutrition to the mainstream. And I think, you know, it's good. We're, re- we're realizing that goal, which is really exciting. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I wanted to just double click a, a little bit. We don't have to spend a lot of time on it, but, but your comment about, you know, finding a good, uh, partner, a good manufacturer is really tough. Um, wanted to maybe double click on that a little bit. What, what makes it tough? Maybe you could give us a couple tips on, on what to look for in a good manufacturer. Um, and, and I asked this question because you're not the only one that, that says that, right? This is a very common struggle um, when trying to get a physical product out the door is finding a good manufacturer. Yeah, I mean, you need to align with the, with the management team and the owners. You know, I think that's important. Like, I'm always really big on connecting owner to owner. And with our, you know, co-manufacturer, um, we talk all the time. You know, we have texting conversations, phone conversations. We talk about other trends. Like we become friends, right? Not just business partners, but friends. And so having a really great relationship uh, is really, really key where you can pick up the phone and call the CEO or the owner and they'll pick up, you know, and they'll talk with you and they'll listen to what your challenges are and they'll work uh, with you, um, you know, to resolve that. Um, So that's one is they, they need to pick up, you know, they need to be accessible you know, open-minded partners that will be eye to eye with you and at the same level as you and not see you as, oh, I'm bigger than you, so I control you. No, it's a partnership. You're both like helping each other to grow and and succeed. Uh, The other thing is have to trust each other. You know, you have to trust that they'll follow through on their promise to make a great product for you. And if something goes wrong, they'll make it right right? Because manufacturing, so much can go wrong, right? It could be not made correctly. There could be, um, you know, a recall, which thank God, like we have not had one of those knock on wood. We've had, you know, a solid, great quality products through through and through with great partners. But you just want to, you know, when things go right, it's easy in a partnership, right? When things go wrong, it things, you know, that's where it's a true test of the partnership, right? When things go wrong, how do people react? How do people manage it? And luckily, you know, our partners, if something goes wrong on their side, they own up to it, they reimburse us, and they, and they resolve and have a, uh, they have a remedy for the problem right away to help us and get back on our feet. So um, that, that's where I think that's the strongest measure of a great partner is they're going to help you through thick and thin. Yeah, and, and maybe this is a, a little bit of just the opposite of what you said, but um, what are some red flags to look for um, that that you would you know run from that partner or or say hey yeah maybe I, I have to check up on this uh, before we make a decision are there is is there anything that comes to mind that that would send you kind of running in the other direction? Uh, yeah, I mean if they say something and then they do something else, um, that's pretty like even though it's a no brainer, it's um, something that a lot of people overlook or they gloss over because they just want to like say, no, no, they're great. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. they're great. Like we don't, you know, we don't need to like, you know, try to second guess them. Um, But, you know, um, if someone says something and does something else, that's a judgment on their character. And that's a zero tolerance for me. You know, I've learned that if someone does something and you're like, that's kind of weird because what they did was, different from what they said they were going to do. 
So they lied to me or they misled me or they're just careless. Um, that's a really big red flag. So accountability, honesty, being genuine and upfront um, is really, really important for me, you know, uh, in, in business to be really transparent and upfront and genuine. Um, also someone that has a great track record, right? Like, you know, they've been around a while. Um, if they haven't been around a long time and they're new, not doesn't necessarily mean they're bad, but inexperience is also a problem in this business. So if someone is inexperienced and doesn't know what they're doing and they're trying to like cut their teeth on you, right. They're trying to like learn with you. Uh, I, I don't know, you know, most, most entrepreneurs know this, that there's really no room for error right? In business, like one error can lead to thousands of dollars or millions of dollars in loss, right? right. So um, I want to make sure that the partners I'm with and we're with, you know, they know what they're doing. They have the experience. And if they don't have the experience or a track record, um, that's definitely another red flag for me. Yeah. And, and even something that you said, um, you know, almost in passing is that, you know, these are partners, you know, and so you wouldn't put up with a business partner that did those things. Right. Um, and so you need to think of your, your manufacturer, your co-manufacturer as a partner um, and, and somebody that's going to be pivotal to the success of your business. Exactly. You know, and I just I just went through this with, um, you know, we, we, we had to let go a couple of our team members about a month and a half ago. It was actually like a, you know, a group uh, that we had to let go because um, we caught them in lies. You know, um, they, they, it's heartbreaking because they were with us for a while. And we just caught them saying things that were not accurate. And we had to actually let them go because of that. And, uh, you know, they were saying one thing and doing another thing. And they were, you know, to my face saying this and then behind my back doing something else. And I put up with it for a while, actually. I gave, I gave them the benefit of the doubt um, because I'm a very nice person. But I think I learned that if there's a red flag, if they do something weird, they do something that makes you kind of scratch your head and go, like, huh, why did they do that? Like, that's kind of weird. You know, it's like dating, right? You know, when something happens on the first or second date, you should pay attention to that and be like, okay, this is probably not the right fit. And I need to bow out of this relationship or partnership. So I'm, I'm a big believer just, you know, I, I like to give second chances. Don't get me wrong. But right. I, also have, I also have zero tolerance for people that are not upfront and genuine because that's our company culture is we're honest with each other. We're genuine, like come hell or high water, whether it's great news or bad news. I just want accountability. I want people to be dedicated and committed to their craft and uh, upfront with each other. And that's all I ask. Even if it's bad news, just don't lie to me. Just tell me the truth and we'll solve it together. So that's a, that's a big, a big ethos of our company is being honest and upfront with each other. So um, let's switch gears just a, just a little bit. Um, you came up with with this concept. You found a good manufacturer. How did you actually uh, you know start taking this to to market? What was what were the first steps that you took doing that? Well, you know, we we developed a lot of flavors early on um, that never really never succeeded. Uh, in two thousand, we started Genius Juice in two thousand fourteen. Uh, believe it or not, you know, seven years ago. It's been a long, long, long journey. Um, I mean, we've had more sales in the last year and a half than the entire previous five and a half years combined. It's funny how that works. You yeah. know, it's like, it's like an actor who has like, you know, B roles and like, you know, and, and backup 
parts. And then finally they get their big chance at the big screen. That's kind of like what we feel like now we're finally on the big screen, you know, and, and more mainstream now, but early on, you know, we, um, made a lot of flavors. We discontinued a lot of flavors. Uh, we end up going with just, um, you know, the pure coconut smoothie, the original, uh, we actually had 14, 14 skews before when we started. That's how you came out the gate with 14 skews, 14 skews, two Mm -hmm. different sizes, you know, seven flavors. We had coconut water. We had a kale smoothie. We had a berry, we had a carrot, um, we had a cacao, and we just learned that, you know, it's better just to keep it simple, you know, keep it simple. Less is more. So let's just go down back to basics. And we actually broke it all the way down to one skew. And we were only one skew for three years from 2015 to 2018. And then in 2019, we came out with two new ones. Both of those also were discontinued, <laughs> the coffee <laughs> and the so like, it just took a while to get it right. You know, like we, we had the coffee and the turmeric and then we, we made the coffee, the mocha, and then finally the mocha started taking off and doing well. And then the, and then the turmeric became the vanilla cinnamon and now the vanilla cinnamon is doing well. So it took a lot of pivots to finally find our footing and, you know, get it right. And our newest offering is the uh, protein smoothie. So the protein plant-based protein with adaptogens that came out um, about three months ago, and it's actually outselling the original, which is our top selling flavor. And that's the, uh, first, the first other flavor that that's outsold the original. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's like, yeah. you know, it, so it's basically like, you know, it's like a, a, a brand new expansion team that comes out the gate and beats the New York, New York Yankees, you know, <laughs> um, like an unknown team, like the Las Vegas, what was that hockey team? Like the Las Vegas Knights or whatever. I can't remember their name, but they came out the gate as an expansion team and they went all the way to the finals. Remember that a few years yeah. ago? Yeah. That, that, was, that was like the protein line. It came out of nowhere and it became pretty much our top, you know, right there with the original. Uh, and we launched it um, in Sprouts nationally. So, um, so that's really exciting. And, you know, we've had other buyer meetings where the buyers are like, I love your original, but man, I'm really excited about that protein line. It's something mm-hmm. different. It's something new. It's, it's delicious. It has a lot of value for the consumer because it has added protein with the smoothie. It has added adaptogens, you know, for mental and physical boost with like lion's mane and reishi. So, um, so it's really cool to see that, you know, we made a new innovation and it's actually being embraced, you know, by, by the stores. And so you'd said that, um, that in the last year or so, you've had more sales than you had um, in the entire lifetime of the business. What, what do you think led to that success? What, what's changed? I think uh, a couple different things. Number one, I mean, uh, you know, in no particular order, we have a great team. You know, we have, we brought on like Mike Rao, our chief strategy officer. Um, he's been an executive and vice president or president in many other financial businesses. So he knows how to run a company and he's just been amazing. You know, we brought on Casey Placek, who was a operations manager for CD Capital, a big CPG, a consultancy firm. Um, you know, we brought in Crystal, who's an awesome general manager. So shout out Crystal, Casey and Mike, you know. And uh, they'll be one of the people listening to this to this podcast. So they'll, they'll get they're getting their shout out. And <laughs> so, so great team, great organization. And then also just a great product that we really dialed in. I think by 2020, um, we really learned um, and we have Shark Tank, too. I'll get to that. But in 2020, 
we really honed in on a great product. We, we partnered up with a local co-manufacturer in late 2019. And that was just a turning point where the product was so consistent, so delicious, you know, safe, like rarely had any kind of like, you know, quality issues, if ever. And having a great team, you know, great product. And also our distribution strategy, we, um, you know, we pivoted and we decided to go away from just going everywhere, right? Like, let's go into every store that like takes this product. It's like, no, like, hell no, we're not doing that anymore. Like, we want to go after stores where the product is going to sell extremely well. So, you know, going into like, you know, Sprouts, Whole Foods, like Albertsons, but the high end divisions right on the coast. Like, we're not going to go to Albertsons, you know, in like, you know, like Nebraska, right? Uh, we're not ready for that yet. We want to start at the coast. We want to hit some key regions where we know the consumer will understand our product and buy our product and appreciate the premiumness of our product. So I think we, we, we chose the right distribution strategy along with a great product and great team. And, uh, you know, that's what led to our success. Um, so that comment at the end, you know, talking about um, not going into every store that you possibly can, that might sound a little counterintuitive. What What's uh, the thinking behind that? You know, why would you want to focus in on only the stores where, where you know that it has your type of buyer and you know that it will sell really well? You know, because uh, number one, we don't want to devalue the brand. So like why, you know, we don't want to go into stores where, um, you know, brands that are maybe not as premium as ours, you know? So it's kind of like, you know, I, 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 uh, yeah, this is really just a, it's a, not a direct comparison or, you know, is it really in the same realm, but like, maybe it is, but we really call ourselves like the Tesla of beverages, mm-hmm. our products, the Tesla of beverages. That should be the name of the podcast title for this. <laughs> That's and, pretty awesome, actually. Yeah. Because it's clean, you know, less is more. It's innovative. It's it's great. It's a great product, but Teslas are not everywhere. You know, they 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 dig super deep, like in L.A. or San Francisco or you know Fremont area. Um, you know Seattle. But when I traveled out to Texas, I counted in four days fifteen Teslas. You know, in four days. I mean, I can count fifteen Teslas around the corner from where I am right now. Right. So so like they chose not to go everywhere. They just chose to go into the right markets and really dig deep there, like inch wide, mile deep. One of my mentors, Jim Tonkin, you know, said. And uh, so, you know, that's that's our approach is like we're, we're actually now turning down business and turning down meetings where we feel that the product just doesn't make sense there. And it's kind of just, you know, it's just going to be a waste of our time and money and energy to try to launch there when we're only going to move like one or two units a week, like one unit a week per store or something like that. It's just not going to be worth our time. So uh, focusing in on where, you know, demographically where the consumers will appreciate a product like ours, they won't mind paying an extra dollar or two for a premium product. That's really where we belong. And that was Tesla's strategy. And, um, you know, they're now one of the most valuable car companies in the world. So it seems to be working. Well, and, and like Tesla, um, you guys are, are priced um, a little higher than than other beverages. It's premium. It's premium product. Uh, positioning is kind of what you're what you're going for. Um, can you talk? You know, some of the advantages of of that strategy rather than trying to be low cost and, and everywhere. Yeah, I mean, the advantage is that you know we're not a me too product. That no one else. It's hard for someone else to 
simply knock us off because we're using, you know, the whole coconut, which makes it really creamy and filling. Um, so that, that's, that's definitely, um, a huge plus there. And, um, yeah, you know, you just, it, it really comes back to just the quality of the product where others are not doing what we're doing. Others are taking, you know, a shortcut and that shortcut is I'm just going to make it 90% water and put in a bunch of powders and mix it together and then call it, call it healthy on the front. And that's not acceptable, you know, to me, that's not a healthy beverage, you know, it's okay. Uh, but it's not a sustaining great product from nature. So that's the idea behind our product is better quality, better ingredients, uh, not Papa John's, but better, better quality, better ingredients, genius, you know, and when people have our products, you know, and they taste it and they, and they drink it and they feel it, that's where they're going to get the benefit. They're going to feel the benefit from it and realize this is a damn great product and um, they're going to come back for more. So that's really where we stand apart is people that buy our product are like, you know, like raving fans and they'll come back over and over again because they realize we're the only ones that are going this far to make a great quality product. Oh, right. And, and the pricing gives you the margin to continue to make a great product, right? Um, that, that's what you reinvest into the, into the product. You know, um, I think a lot of people go for low qual, low cost and then try to make a premium product. And it's, it just doesn't, it doesn't work that way. You know, um, you actually need, you need the profits from, from your pricing, uh, to reinvest and continue to make the product better. Exactly. I mean, we're, we're charging, you know, four ninety nine to five ninety nine. some areas six ninety nine because, you know, number one, we have to because of the quality of the ingredients and the cost of the ingredients. Number two is because people pay for it. People pay for quality. You know, again, we're they may not pay in, you know, like in parts of Nebraska or Iowa or where I keep on picking on Nebraska, but, <laughs> you know, but they will pay in, in Washington. You know, they will pay in California. They will pay in New York. They'll pay in parts of Florida. So it's about finding the right market. And again, this is not a product for everyone yet, but our vision is, you know, as we continue to scale, you know, and become a bigger brand, we'll get our, we'll get our costs down even more. And then we can eventually be at a lower price point. And we can, we can bring this to more people. Like this can be in a 7-Eleven at $4.99 or $3.99. This can be, you know, at a convenience store. Um, I mean, GT Kombucha you know, for those that don't know, is the largest kombucha company in the world. I mean, they're doing billions, almost billions in revenue now. But when they started, they were at like $6 a bottle, only in Whole Foods, you know? And it took 10 years or 15 years, but you know, now, you know, you can go to a 7-Eleven and find his product at $3.99. You can go to, you know, a Ralph's, you can go to, you know, you know, Kroger, anywhere in the country basically is selling his product because you got enough scale to bring the cost down to bring it everywhere. And that's our mission is to bring, you know, a great nutritious product to the mainstream. And that's our, that's our dream and our vision. And uh, all, all it takes is time to get there, right? All it takes is time and scale. And we can definitely get there and bring a healthy, great product to more people. Because I think uh, overall, we think that everyone deserves to have a product like this, you know, a great, healthy, clean product, low sugar, you know, way less sugar than a naked juice. People deserve this product in their lives to make them feel better and give them more energy. And I want to share that gift with the world, you know? And so um, I know we'll get there. It's just going to take time. 
So switching uh, gears again, I wanted to make sure to get to um, something that you mentioned. Um, you guys were on Shark Tank. Looks like uh, you did a deal with Barbara and Mark. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, how did how did that uh, you know how did that affect your business? What was the result of that? Well, uh, number one, I'm I'm very very uh, open and honest with this. Is that the deal actually fell through? So there was no deal um, on the sh- you know there was a deal on the show, but there was no actual deal formed after the show. Um, yeah, for, for people who don't know, uh, a lot of times that, you know, you agree to a deal, but then there's a lot of due diligence that goes into it. Um, there's a lot of time, actually. I had a friend who it, it was almost a year between the time that they did the deal to the time they were trying to sign, you know, the actual, like formalize the deal, you know, from, so from the time they filmed it to the time that they signed papers, it was almost a, a whole year. Um, and so w- was there any particular reason um, that it fell through? Well, I mean, I can't get into those major details, unfortunately. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. I'm under an NDA there, but I can definitely say that it, it just wasn't a fit for us. Okay. It wasn't a fit for us. It wasn't a fit for them. Uh, there wasn't really a, a meetings of the mind there. And um, long term, better for our company not to bring in an investor like them because, you know, they are on the cap table. They would be a major, major equity holder. And obviously, they would have certain rights. with the company and that may affect our future, you know, operations and how we make decisions. So, so ultimately, you know, uh, that, that fell through, um, which, you know, 80% of all deals or more actually fall through Mm -hmm. Shark Tank. Mm -hmm. A lot of people, you know, do not, do not know that, but essentially from there, you know, we went on to get aired. We got aired in January, 2020. We got, you know, a quarter million in sales, um, literally within a week after airing, which is, you know, which was huge. And then, um, you know, from there, we uh, actually, it was funny, it was a half a million dollar deal on Shark Tank. We ended up raising almost half a million online. You know, we, we right after, right around Shark Tank, we decided to raise online because we knew we weren't going to get a deal, um, uh, you know, from Cuban and Corcoran. So we, right. uh, we raised online, we successfully raised nearly half a million dollars, literally almost exactly what we would have gotten from the sharks. And uh, people, and you probably know, better terms, money, right? Better terms. We had triple mm-hmm. the valuation, right? And uh, no one controlling us on what we could, what we could or could not do. And uh, we got uh, the public to come in, like people that love our product and buy it every day, and they became investors and uh, customers. So it all worked out for the best. So it looks like you've done um, quite a bit of crowdfunding. You know, uh, you, you guys did a Kickstarter pretty early on, and you've done a WeFund. And um, also, uh, you have a current campaign going with uh, Republic. Uh, could you tell us just a little bit about um, crowdfunding and some of the advantages of, of using that uh, vehicle to raise money? Yeah, well, definitely. Um, uh, we'll have the link, uh, hopefully, on your post to our we definitely will. campaign, which is mm-hmm. running, which mm-hmm. is the Republic campaign. Um, but before getting into a plug about that, it's just a great vehicle to raise money um, because you're raising from the public. It's a simple, like, you know, simple is the wrong word, but it's, it's a, it's an approach where it's not as hard as one would think to do. Um, especially on the cap table, it's only a single line on the cap table. It's not like you have like a thousand people on the cap table. It's all consolidated and rolled up under one line. And, um, you know, it, it takes a lot of effort to get the campaign going, but for those that don't know, crowdfunding campaign is an official equity. It's not like Kickstarter, but you're actually doling out and giving out equity or convertible notes or safe notes, which is all basically comes back to equity of your, you know, a piece of your, of your company. 
uh, online. And it used to be, and then people just go on, you can invest like a minimum of $100 and you'll get 0.00, whatever, 0.1% of the company or whatever that is. But we've had investors on there that do anywhere from $50 or $100 all the way up to, you know, $100,000. So it's been pretty incredible to see that people are now finding great opportunities online there's due diligence, you know, where Republic or WeFunder or Start Engine, they do their due diligence and do a financial audit and review on the company before they can even be live, right, on the platform. So there's a lot of like inherent trust from the investors on there. And I mean, as mentioned, we did half a million on WeFunder a year ago. We're in a current, a new campaign with Republic that's been open for a few months. We're already at 636,000 as we're having this interview. Probably That's will awesome. be more. Congratulations. Thank you. And so uh, for anyone out there, I mean, that is an entrepreneur and you're looking to raise capital, go to WeFunder, go to Republic. You know, um, you can email me and I can give you some tips on where to go and who to go to. Uh, Alex at GeniusJuice.com. Alex at GeniusJuice.com. And uh, essentially, it's a great avenue to raise money. And the coolest part is once you get going with the campaign, like once you get to like 50,000 or 70, 75,000, you don't really have to push as hard. You know, you can have, it's just, it's rolling and it's gaining momentum. And then after a while, it just takes kind of a life of its own, if that makes sense. And once it's big enough, you get a lot of investors that will just go in and invest without you having to lift a finger. So the first Part of it is is a lot of work to like get it up and running, you know, um, to get it to like 50,000 or 100. It's a lot of work. You got to get investors from the outside to come in. You have to call friends and family. But once you start getting to like 50,000 and above, it really starts to take on its own energy. And we went to 100,000. And since going there, you know, without really a ton of effort, we've gone from 100 now up to 600 and like almost 640 thousand. So for anyone who uh, wants to help us to bring our product to the mainstream, please make sure to hop on Republic. Um, It's republic.co slash genius dash juice. And again, like the link will be in the, in the show that hopefully the show uh, right underneath the comments would love for you guys to come out and support us. Yeah. And we'll, we'll definitely put that link in the show notes. All right, Alex, let's uh, switch gears um, to the quick fire round. I've just got four questions here for you. And just tell me the first thing that comes to mind. Uh, Name one tool or resource that has helped you in in your current position. I think the the resource is having like a board, you know, having like uh, advisors and mentors. Um, I have great mentors. You know, I have, have, uh, you know, Doug Pack. I have Bruce Nirenberg. I have uh, Tom Malingo. I have Patrick Stacey. These are all like fantastic people in different areas. And uh, they all know different elements of the business, whether it's finance, marketing, strategy, operations, investments, um, you know, scaling, uh, uh, you know, manufacturing production. So having a great people around you, like a board uh, or of advisors, that's been the best tool for me to be successful. Uh, What's a book um, that you, that's helped you that you would recommend to others? I honestly don't read a lot. Uh, I read a lot from my phone and articles, but I just do not read books too often. Um, I think uh, what's a, I know I read a book that I really, really love, but it, it was just inspirational. It's called born to run. Yeah. yeah I've heard of that book. Yeah. 
It's a great you're, book. I, amazing book about a guy that's running along like in, in like somewhere in the, in the sticks, like in Mexico. And he learns about life. He learns about appreciating the simple things and, you know, taking care of yourself. I mean, the guy almost died while running because <laughs> he, I think he ran like a hundred miles or something. And he did so, this all barefoot too, right? And it was a, it was barefoot mm-hmm. um, in the middle of mountains where there's like animals and poison bushes and poison insects. And there's tons of things that could kill you out there. And, uh, but anyway, great story, great book, inspirational about persistence and never giving up and like giving it your all. So I would recommend it. Yeah. What about, um, you, you know, you mentioned that you read articles. Are there any particular, you know, websites or, or sources that you pay attention to? You know, I, I like DevNet. DevNet is great. You know, yeah, it's, a, it's a CPG beverage, like insider resource website, you know, where you can read about, you know, launches or investment rounds or new trends. And, uh, you know, John Craven over there, John Landis, Ray Latif over at DevNet, they're awesome. Um, and, and, you know, I just go to LinkedIn. You know, I love LinkedIn. Is You know, if you're following the right people, if you're following the wrong people, it's a nightmare on your feed. But <laughs> if you have the right people you're following, you know, you see some great articles, some great videos, inspirational videos. So I think LinkedIn is is an awesome tool. Yeah, that's great. What What's one piece of advice that you'd give to your 21-year-old self? Start earlier. <laughs> do whatever you want to do, what, what your dream is, what gets you up in the morning and gets you excited, you know, start earlier and do it right away and don't wait because the younger you are, um, the easier it is, to be honest. But again, like the flip side of that is I would have never gotten to where I am today without going through all those other experiences with like insurance and selling copiers and nonprofit. I learned a lot from each of those experiences, which has built me into the person that, that I am today. So, you know what? I wouldn't take it back. I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it in any other way. But I would say, you know, don't waste your freaking time in a, in a corporate office job if that's not for you. You know, don't just do it for the paycheck because money will come and go. You can't take money. You cannot take money to your grave. Well, you can, but you can't use it in your grave. <laughs> not very useful. Yeah. Not very useful. I don't think there's an eight. I don't think there's a, uh, you know, a square or a checkout a register in your, in your, in your coffin. So uh, yeah, just, just like whatever impassions you start it right away. Don't waste your time at a corporate job, which doesn't really make sense for you just for the paycheck. Do it for more than the paycheck. Uh, do it out of love. And uh, who's one person, maybe another entrepreneur that you'd love to take to lunch? Somebody that you look up to, admire, watch closely. I mean, uh, said, said, said his company earlier, Elon Musk. You know, I know it's kind of a very cliched answer. Um, but the reason why is because the guy is very different from your typical like CEO, you know, he isn't like outspoken. He's actually kind of antisocial in a way. And, you know, if you saw him on SNL, I don't know if you saw his like monologue, but <laughs> I, I saw some clips and, and that was enough. Yeah. He's like awkward, right? He's yeah. kind of awkward. It's, it's hard for him. And like, I relate to that because I could be socially awkward. You know, I get nervous sometimes or anxiety and he's like kind of the same way as me. So uh, I really connect with him on a human level. And for those reasons, I would love to sit down with him and just get to meet him and see how he thinks and like also get his impression on Genius Juice. I mean, it'd be awesome if he uh, became a fan of Genius because it makes sense, right? Like he's a genius. So there you go. (laughs) 
Well, Alex, I want to wrap up here. Um, is there anything that that you'd like to 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 plug or promote? Then we'll just get some some parting words from you, um, some advice for uh, other entrepreneurs that are that are in the physical product business and are kind of in the grind. You know, what what would be some final things that you could say to them? Uh, I mean, I would say just uh, if you're in the CPG business, make sure you have great margins. Make sure you're sustainable from the start. Like, don't try to just act strictly out of passion. You got to make sure you're organized and you have the right margins for your products. You can be sustainable. Um, so that's one, I think, major, major thing that I learned, you know, the hard way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, just make sure that you have the right products, you know, for the time, you know, the, the timing is so key. Um, and, you know, so my advice is around CPG, right timing, you know, the right people, the right product. So that's, uh, so TPP, you know, timing, people, product product that's that's my that's my advice all right that's a great note to end on and just one more time um can you tell us where to uh support uh your ongoing uh crowdfunding campaign that's going on right now yeah so uh it's just uh republic.co so not .com but .co republic.co slash genius dash juice Okay. And again, we'll, we'll include a, li- a link uh, at the, in the show notes. Hey, appreciate it, Alex. Uh, thank you for coming on. This has been great. Definitely. Thank you, Ken, for having me. Really appreciate this, man. Yep. The Physical Product Movement Podcast is brought to you by Fiddle. To find out more about Fiddle and how our industry-leading inventory ops platform is giving modern brands and manufacturers full visibility into their inventory and operations, visit fiddle.io and then make sure to search for physical product movement in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Fiddle, thanks for listening.